Welcome to the Fast God Stuff Podcast, where we make biblical theology simple, practical, and fun so that we can love God and others more. I'm Conrad, and I just got back from the annual Star Trek convention. And I'm Jesse, and I want to put horseradish on everything. Spicy. We're just two guys trying to follow Jesus, hanging out in the studio with our Bibles and guitars. We take just 30 minutes Fast. to chat about a theological topic God. and renew our minds with the good things of Christ. Stuff. That's good stuff. Conrad. Yes, Jesse. What is it that we are speaking about on this day? Today we're going over, is the force anything like God? Two, three. Is the force anything like God? Anything like God? Anything like God? So obviously we're talking about Star Wars today. So why, Conrad? Why? <laughs> so, well, Star Wars is on a completely different level than other fiction because it comes with what is almost a fictional theology. True. So even if you're not into Star Wars, today's going to be really fun because what's going to happen is when we investigate if Star Wars theology works or not, we actually learn what it takes to make an actual theology work, including our own, because we will use the same philosophical microscope to examine both Star Wars and Christian theology in order to learn more about God and therefore love him more. Good. It's about time because I am not certified in Star Wars, so I, clearly I need this. Okay, so knowing that, let's just jump right into what Star Wars is. Star Wars is ultimately a space fantasy about space wizards with laser swords. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's really it. All it is. I like it better already. So the space wizards are called Jedi. Okay. And then these Jedi do, they basically kind of do magic when they tap into the spirit of the galaxy. And they can like move stuff with their mind and glimpse into the future. The spirit of the galaxy is called what? The Force. That's the what, Force. That's what I know. Exactly. That's all I got. So our study of the Force begins with the exact same initial question every person, worldview, or religion needs to answer to make sense of the universe. The question is, why are we here? What started it all? What came first? So this study of what started everything is called cosmology. So in the Star Wars universe, this first cause is presumably the Force. So here is Ben talking to Luke about the Force. Now the Force is what gives the Jedi his power. It's an energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us and penetrates us. It binds the galaxy together. So since cosmology is the study of the origin of things, you would think that the godlike Force came first, then the Force created the galaxy second, which then gave rise to life, which is third, which then creates the Force. So Yoda, um, who's like the grand space wizard, he's also voiced, the little dude. Yeah, he's also voiced by Miss Piggy. Did you oh, know that? I didn't even know it's that. A, it's the same voice. Man, this is <laughs> such an educational podcast for me. So now, when Yoda talks about the Force, now let's ask the cosmology question: What came first? Life creates it, makes it grow. So let's ask the question: What came first? Like oddly circular. Yes, th this logic. It is actually circular. So. The force exists first and creates the galaxy. Right. And then life arises and then life, life creates the force. <laughs> right. right. So if you don't start with the force, you still have to come up with something that can create the galaxy. Right. And even if you did, it still doesn't solve anything because the force is what binds the galaxy together. So that means the force needs to exist so that the galaxy can be created. And then the force has to hold the galaxy together long enough for the galaxy to create life 
or life to create the force. So you need the force in order to create the force. Man, this is some deep nerdery right here. Yeah, but the thing is, people say this all the time and they don't realize it's super self-contradictory. You're right. Because I guess I always presumed that when they spoke about the force, the force was the first cause. I thought the force was like the thing that dropped everything into existence. And then you're kind of harnessing that same power. But it's not. It comes after. So since they say both the force holds the galaxy together and life creates the force, those two things combined are the things that throw a wrench into the logic. And the same circular logic is what people in real life believe because they believe that the universe created itself. Right. Like the universe gave birth to itself. Like what we've heard in the other podcast. Can you give birth to yourself? No, it's impossible. (laughs) We've got to stop asking that question. (laughs) But it's so true. And here, the force has to give birth to itself. But that sounds illogical when we say that. But so many people in this this world believe that the universe created itself. It's the same contradiction. Right. So finally, 37 years after this first quote was stated in 1977, somebody finally figured out, oh, this makes no sense. So in the cartoons in Clone Wars, which is considered canon wait, wait, for the Star wait, Wars universe. There's cartoons? Yeah, there's, there's books, cartoons, there's all sorts of stuff. And this is all part of the same thing? Yes, yes. Man, I, just, I need to start taking notes. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> it's all fake if you, if you, didn't, if you didn't know. <laughs> so in Clone Wars 611, <laughs> season 6, episode 11, uh, Qui-Gon, one of the space wizards from the prequels, says he, he fixes all these problems, the, cos- uh, the cosmology problem and our timeline problem. Because he, they realize there is a problem? Yes. Yeah, because it's circular. It's inconsistent. It, it, it's yeah, illogical. It's illogical. So now he said, Qui-Gon says, How are you here? I am a manifestation of the Force. A Force that consists of two parts. Living beings generate the living Force, which in turn powers the wellspring that is the cosmic Force. All energy from the living force, from all things that have ever lived, feeds into the cosmic force, binding everything and communicating to us through the midichlorians. Because of this, I can speak to you now. See the future. You can. I exist where there is no future or past. So now we have two things. We have the cosmic force and the living force. So the cosmic force is what pre-exists the living force. So now what we have is the cosmic force creates the galaxy and then the galaxy or the cosmic force creates life and then life the life force creates the living force and the living force feeds into the cosmic force and then that is what grows in power when it feeds on the living force i so badly need a flow chart yeah okay so here i'll I'll simplify it please please so here's the star wars bible all right okay so for all eternity the cosmic force existed kind of like god And then the cosmic force creates the galaxy and then life arises and the life force from this life is called the living force. And then the cosmic force soaks up all this living force, which makes the cosmic force grow. All right. Now with the inclusion of the cosmic force, we can move past our cosmology problem and now start to define its other attributes. So now let's kind of add um, more attributes to this God-like being called the force. So um, there's this one other quote that is important to this discussion, and it's actually Han Solo, a space pirate. Kid, I've flown from one side of this galaxy to the other. I've seen a lot of strange stuff, but I've never seen anything to make me believe there's one all-powerful force controlling everything. 
There's no mystical energy field controls my destiny. So what are what are the attributes that we can get from that? So clearly he's got the impression that the force should be able to control and move about the parts of destiny. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's sovereign. And he also says it's all powerful. So he says right. all powerful force controlling everything. All powerful and sovereign. And also he says, he says one. So it's singular. So it's kind of monotheistic. So it's one, it's all powerful, and it's sovereign. So those three things are actually God attributes that God is singular, God is all powerful, and God is sovereign. So, but at first glance, and we actually have to see if those things are actually applicable to the force when right. we actually look into it a little bit further. So, so far, what we have uh, our list of force uh, attributes, at least according to the movies, are it's eternal, it's spirit, it's all powerful, it's sovereign. Also, it's conscious because what the previous quote Qui-Gon says, it communicates us to us through the midichlorians. And then um, it might be moral and it might be just. We just we have to look into that later and we'll un- unpack that later. So we actually have a lot of God-like attributes out of these things. So it seems like, though, to me, like just, just hearing about it and having explained is there is some stuff that seems familiar to me. Like mm-hmm. you're saying, some of those attributes that we often ascribe to God. At the same time, it seems like there's a lot of gaps that it's like very like nebulous and mysterious, like, yeah. like we don't really know. And you get to kind of interpret like the things you were talking about. We have to find out. Yeah. Are, do we find those things out or are we left to kind of just say, let's fill in the gaps on our own interpretation of what it, this energy means? Yeah, it's it's almost like the less they talk about it, the better. Less is more. It's more mysterious. Yeah, it's more nebulous. Right, yeah. It's more exciting because it's unknown. Right. And like, that's what happened when uh, George Lucas, the creator, added the whole idea of midichlorians and it t- tried to give it a like a physical presence of this is the mechanism for the force. Everyone just flipped out about it be- and saying that's stupid. But he was trying to make it even more realistic. Right. But by doing so, he makes it less mysterious. And then that's when the nerds flip out. Oh, nerds. Come on, George Lucas. Oh, nerds. Now let's see if some of these attributes are actually applicable to to the force. So, is can the cosmic force be eternal, and is it self-existent? Jesse, why do we need a pre-existent being to create the universe? Because we need a first cause. Right. Like there has to be something that it brings about the effect that we're talking about. It has to come from somewhere, mm-hmm. and it has to come from something that didn't need to be created. Right. And basically, all you have to, if you're trying to convince anybody of something has to always existed from a logical standpoint, just ask them, can you get something from nothing? Right. And you, you can't. And it, it breaks logic. It breaks science. You have to start with something. Breaks your mind. It breaks everything. Yeah. So. Except the midichlorians. So logically, we have to start with a self-existent first cause, which for the sake of time, we'll just call God. So the primary attribute of God is his self-existence. So think about it for a sec. If God is self-existent, then he's the only thing in existence, which means he is existence itself. God is existence. Yeah. So God is being itself. God is reality itself. So if God stretches out to all reality, then he is infinite. He is 100% and nothing can exist apart from him. So he is 100% existence. Therefore, he has 100% power, 100% knowledge. All those 100% attributes. And here's the main sticking point when it comes to the force. Since God is already 100%, that means he is perfect and therefore he can't change. Right. If it, if it were perfection by itself, then 
if it could change, it would no longer be perfection. Perfection by its nature means that it, there is no reason to change, either to denigrate or to improve. There is no room. Right. It's exactly where it should be. Okay, so where does the force fall short with being an eternal, infinite being? Well, there's no way it can be eternal and infinite if, per their own statement, it's, if the life force causes it to grow. Right. There so we it's go. expanding. It's getting mm-hmm. bigger. It's changing. Right. And that's the problem. Right. And what is one of the major attributes about God that we learn from, right, from the Old Testament? Yeah, he's immutable. He's not, he cannot change. Right. He does not change. And then what is the actual name that God gives himself? His proper name? Yeah. Is I am. Yeah. And exa- that's exactly what it means is I am basically is unchanging. Right. He, he just, he simply exists. And then flat out in other passages of the Bible says he is unchanging. Right. And that's also why we can trust anything that God says. Because he can't break his promises because he is unchanging. So what can we conclude from this part of our study of the force? So first we figured out that logic dictates there must be a self-existent first cause. So God is logically necessary. God is a necessary being. Right. And then second, God, since most God-like attributes flow from self-existence, this leads directly into infinite attributes such as being all-powerful, all-knowing, perfect timeless and unchanging. And the moment you add growth or change, it automatically negates all those divine attributes. So since Star Wars and other real world views, including atheism, don't start with a self-existent unchanging first cause, logic actually negates those worldviews as being valid. And this also includes having a self-existent universe because the universe changes. So I think an application in all this could be um, everyone, I think, could just add the, God's immutability and his unchangingness and his self, um, self-existence self into their prayers. Yeah, for sure. This should actually help us root our prayers deep because when we understand that God is unchanging, it mm-hmm. means that we can trust his promises. So we go to him knowing that he wants to hear us, he wants to change us, he wants to transform us and sanctify us. Mm-hmm. So that should be like the fuel that really gets us pumped to want to go before our father and speak and ask ask him to bring forth the promises that he gave us in the scriptures. Right. And something that I do in, in all of my prayers, in the praise part of my prayer, is I pray, God, I praise you because you are the great I am. Right. And I think that's something very practical that everyone can actually physically do. And they can just change a little bit of their behavior and just toss that in there. And it, it's great. Yeah. Plus, like any place in the scripture, when you're reading, when you see capital L-O-R-D, mm-hmm. that is the translator's way of telling you, of course, that this is the proper name of God, Yahweh. So often what I'll do is I'll sub it in in my mind. So uh-huh. I'm... I'm reminding myself what does that Yahweh this mean? is, it means I am. Boom. So that way I'm reminding myself, even as I read, this is the immutable God who gives us his name. And I'm using his name to remind myself that he is the great I am and that he's mm-hmm. trustworthy. So here's the 15 second fast God stuff summary. God's self-existence is one of his primary attributes that we can praise him for. This attribute even flows into his name. And every single time that we see the word Lord in all caps in our Bibles, this should lead us to praise which is one of the elements of loving God more. Now we get to kind of part two. The, the part that we kind of skipped over was, is the force moral? Or, and is it just? Now we actually have to ask, what is morality? And where does morality come from? So I'm going to present the argument that morality, simply put, is doing what we were designed to do. So what we were designed to do is good, and anytime you don't do that is bad. Just kind of like how if you created your designed your phone to make phone calls, 
it's good when it makes you when it makes phone calls, but if it explodes, then that's bad. Right. So good and bad basically flows from is this thing doing what I, I wanted it to do? It's achieving the end it was created for. Right. right. Exactly. So before anything was created, the cosmic force was sitting around by itself and said, hey, I want to grow. So I will design the galaxy and life and the living force so that I can munch off of it so that I can grow. So the purpose of the living force is simply to feed into the cosmic force as basically dinner. For force food. Yes, exactly. That's all. It, he created, it created dinner. So when does the force actually intervene? So now that's the question. So it created the living force. Now when does it actually intervene and go, wait, something isn't going according to my design. So therefore something is wrong. Something is bad. You follow? Right. I just have no idea what that is. Okay. So (laughs) there are times basically where the force goes, I don't like what's going on. I have to intervene because I didn't design the living force to act in that way. Okay. Right. You follow that part? Okay. So whenever that sin, we'll call that sin. The only time that the living, the cosmic force actually intervenes is when there's dark side use. When the Sith come and Jedi turn bad and they turn evil. Well, then that's when the force senses something is out of balance and awakens and intervenes by choosing Anakin, who is called the chosen one. And also the force awakens to intervene with Rey. So I always thought that the force was like moral neutral, that it like just depended on how you tapped into your emotions. But you're actually saying it it had a purpose. And so when the universe has deviated from that purpose, then it decides to intervene and set the course aright. Right. So the force awakens and tries to bring balance to the force. We know by it making this judgment call, it's going to set some objective truth in front of us. Correct. So the force only intervenes when a sin is committed. So what is that sin? It's when Jedi use the force for dark side use. That is the only time that it intervenes. So is the force trying to keep everything in balance or is the force trying to get rid of evil? It's trying to get rid of evil. It To be balanced, just like if you eat a balanced meal, that doesn't mean you're eating half good and half bad. You're eating a well-balanced meal. Like It's all good stuff. It's just balance of the force means things are good and people aren't using the dark side. So then what is dark side use? So dark side use really is um, whenever anybody uses the force whenever they use darker emotions such as fear, anger, hatred, and aggression. And this is what happened to Anakin. So he was fine until he started using the force with fear and anger and hatred. Yoda says, Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Then later, Count Dooku says to Anakin, Sense great so basically you could have two jedi that want to move soda cans around using their mind and if you have a feeling of calm when you use it the force considers you a good jedi but if they have anger or fear when they move that soda can around then that's considered dark side use and since the cosmic force created the living force to be lunch dark side use really just spoils the living force food for the cosmic force Dark side use really just gives the cosmic force a tummy ache. So then it raises good Jedi to make sure that the food doesn't get spoiled. So your emotions you can use to tap in to achieve the same end, but it's the means that you use to achieve that end, which causes the force to say you're stepping out of line. Exactly. But here's the thing. You can have as much hatred and fear and anger as you want, so long as you don't use the dark side to do it. 
So you can have the bounty hunters. You can kill as many people. You can kill every single person in the galaxy as long as you don't use the force and the force won't intervene. It doesn't offend. Exactly. It's like a technicality. Yeah. So what is what is the one sin according to the force? All right. So based on what you said, it sounds to me like the one sin is when like you're grumpy and you use the force when you have all these negative emotions in you. Exactly. That's all it is. Don't be grumpy when you use the force. Yeah, that's the technicality. So like if you're super happy and just punching people in the face all day and using the force with that emotion of happiness, then you're not going to get in trouble. Like you just get off scot-free, like no penalty. Yeah. Or, or just do the opposite of just don't use the force and then shoot everyone in the face with a blaster. <laughs> <laughs> and you're fine. The force isn't going to do anything. So, so if you take out a designer, the creature has actually no purpose to follow or break. So then the creature can decide to do whatever it wants. So any individual community or government can make up their own purpose. And then to that individual or government, that is what's going to be considered good, even if it's something like killing everybody else. So this is where Star Wars and other non-theistic worldviews have to borrow from Christianity because we all agree that hatred and murder is wrong, but that can only be true if our designer designed us to love. So now breaking the purpose to love is what universally everybody can consider a sin or wrong or evil. Because in Christianity, it's God's character that is the source of morality. He is the one, his essence, his attributes. He's the one that defines it. Right. So since God, his character, God is love, then therefore God created us. He designed us to love. And so that is actually morality. If God designed us, he gave us purpose to love. Sin is actually when we go outside of that purpose, when we don't love God and love others. That is actually the definition of sin. So morality is actually a subset of purpose, which flows from God's character, wherein God is love. Right. And that's why, so the Apostle John writes, we love because God first loved us. Exactly. We hold that attribute in common with him. It's not that we're saying our love is exactly like God's, but it's almost like he's made many kind of versions of his own experience that we can Mm -hmm. really enjoy and participate in. And that's why we are the way we are. That's why we have a proclivity to wanting to knowing that things are good or things are bad. Right. Okay. So now we have to talk about justice because morality only makes sense if there's justice. So if you have two people, one person is good and one person is bad and the higher power doesn't intervene, well, it doesn't matter if they were good or bad, and then therefore, basically, there is no morality. It was it, just kind of practice. It's at least useless. Yes, Who exactly. cares about it then? For morality to actually make sense, you must have justice. Because we have to be held accountable. Right, so if the force is just, a good Yoda and an evil emperor must have different fates. They must have different consequences for their actions. On top of that, the consequences have to be eternal. Because he can't send Yoda to heaven and then and the emperor to hell for like a million years and then go, oh, well, after a million years, you paid your due. Now you get to have go go back to heaven with with Yoda. But then you would ultimately have the same fate because then from there from then on out, Yoda and emperor get to live in heaven for all of eternity. So for there to be justice, it actually has to have permanent consequences. Exactly. Okay, and now this is where the force completely falls short. Because Qui-Gon says, All energy from the living force, from all things that have ever lived, feeds into the cosmic force. What does that mean? I mean, in the end, they're basically just both the same snack for the cosmic force. Exactly. So they have the same fate. If all living things feed into the cosmic force, then it doesn't matter if they were good or bad. Then, according to the force, then they just feed into the cosmic force anyway. Yeah, so if you work backwards and you say, 
this guy does bad things. This guy does good things. And in the end, neither of them are really held accountable because they both just get meted out the same end. And that's not really justice. Why even have a standard if you're not going to be held to it? Exactly. So if you watch the movies at the very end of the original trilogy, Luke is sitting there in Ewok Village and then Yoda shows up, Obi-Wan shows up, Anakin shows up. According to this, if you just let the scene run two seconds longer, well, the Emperor would have showed up too. And then he would have pushed the Ewok <laughs> off the tree. <laughs> that, that's what would happen if everyone just feeds uh, into the cosmic force. But if we kind of, uh, to c- get a little bit more nerdy, there actually is... Yeah, let's do that. There is a reference to this, uh, oh, basically a force-type hell called Chaos. If you look at the books, but which aren't canon anymore, but let's assume for a sec that um, that it's true. Then there is a then there is a force hell, and then the force would be just. So we have to make that idea of chaos, this force hell. We actually have to make it real, and then therefore that's the way that we can make the force actually just. Right. That's the only way this gets cohesive. Otherwise, it gets funky and weird and illogical. So we just solved it for you guys. Done. We want to be nerds, George Lucas. You owe us. So here's an application to all this. Because morality is an extension of our purpose, basically what God created us to do and not to do, we need to better understand what our purpose is. And of course, that purpose is to love God and others more. Now we have to practically be able to define those those terms in practical life. So here's the thing. We have to actually come up with a plan to love God and others more. So Jesse, what is a good plan for somebody to enact to love God more? Sometimes the best way that we can love God more is making sure that we are praying and asking him to open up his scriptures, his word, his promises to us. Mm-hmm. So not just getting in your Bible, but before you even open it up or pop open mm-hmm. the Bible yeah. app, taking a second to ask that the Holy Spirit would open it up to you. Yeah. So it would actually change your heart. It would change your character and therefore change your actions. Right. Because we're not after information. We're after transformation. Exactly. And that can only come from God working in our lives through his scripture, which he promises to do mm-hmm. if we take that promise seriously. Right. And then I think a plan to love others more is really you need to start with growing the fruit of the spirit so you can treat other people better. And then you have to work on wisdom so that you know how to treat other people better. Also, if you use the fruit of the spirit with the force, you're safe. That's what go. I've learned. Okay, so <laughs> is there a summary in this? Here's a 15-second Fast God Stuff summary. Our creator designed us with a purpose in mind, which is to love God and love others. Morality can be defined as if we stay within or stray away from our purpose. If you want to be a good person, then you'll figure out how to fulfill your purpose better and come up with a daily plan to love God and others more. So Conrad, what, after all of this, did we actually learn today? Well, believe it or not, this was one of the most philosophically difficult topics that you'll come across. So you should pat yourself on the back for getting through it. True that. Yes. We talked about Star Wars, but it was only a jumping off point to learn about cosmology, the study of origin, the logic of self-existence, and also what is morality and what is justice. Super difficult topics. And if there's one thing to remember out of this entire discussion is that God is logically necessary. God is a necessary being. And from this flows his infinite attributes and also his name, which is the great I am. And I learned midichlorians, but also that (laughs) our purpose comes from God's character. It's rooted in that way. And so that's where morality comes from because Mm -hmm. it echoes exactly who God is. So we looked at him as the objective standard because just like you said, he is, he is the great I am. And so he defines 
what's good and bad. He sets the expectations. And that means as well that because he's true to his promise, that we will have to live up to those expectations and then justice will be meted out appropriately in the end in a permanent way. Yes. And what are these expectations? What is his morality for us? Well, it's quite simple. Since God is love, he designed us to love. So our purpose is to love God, love others. That's it. Well, that's all the midichlorians we have time for today, Conrad. Make sure you subscribe and rate the Fast God Stuff podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you like to podcast. Fast God Stuff is a proud member of the Society of Reformed Podcasters. And please check out fastgodstuff.com for all kinds of content that will raise your midichlorian count to insane levels. Until next time, love God, love others, that's it. Give us five midichlorians on iTunes. (laughs)